Would you bow with me in prayer again as we prepare to study God's Word together? Let's pray. Father, we're at the point in our service in which we will look into your Word and we will listen for your voice and I pray that you would make that miracle happen. That as we begin this Christmas season, we would hear from you this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's right off the bat, I want to be sure my mic's working correctly here. It's a different mic. Okay, good. We're going to use our imaginations this morning. You guys filling up to that? All that turkey cylinder system? You need to kind of shake your head. We're going to use our imagination. I want you to imagine that you're you. We're going to start off gently here. Imagine that you're you. You with me so far? Okay, you are you, but about 2,000 years ago, and in the Middle East. Okay? It's getting a little harder now. So envision yourself, you are you, with your family, basically your same occupation only, you know, 2,000 years ago, so whatever the equivalent would be back then. So you're you doing the stuff you do, only in robes and sandals, with no smartphones and no email and no television, none of that stuff. You, 2,000 years ago. With me so far? Okay. Now, you're also Jewish. 2,000 years ago, which means that you and all your people, the whole nation of Israel, you're a part of that, and a big part of your heritage is you're waiting for the Messiah. You're waiting for this king that's going to be born, that's going to deliver you and your people. So that's who you are, the Jewish 2,000 years ago, you, waiting for the Messiah. Now I want you to envision yourself living your life a normal day, whatever that normal day might look like for you. What's a normal day for you now? Working probably or being home with the kids if you're a mom, driving, I don't know. Whatever the equivalent would be, you're doing your normal thing and you're alone and you envision yourself. And then all of a sudden there's a man there with you that wasn't there before. And there's something strange about this man. You can't quite put your finger on it. But all appearances, it's, it's a guy and he wasn't there before, and now suddenly he's there, and he's looking at you with these piercing eyes. And somehow you know that this isn't a man, this is an angel. And he says the strangest thing, he says, don't be afraid. And he says, I have a message for you, from God, to you. You're going to have a child, and this child is going to change everything. How would you react? How do you think you would react? Don't super spiritualize it. I mean, really think about it. If that was you, how would you react? Terror? Confusion? Loss of bladder control? <laughs> Call the 1-800 number on the back of your birth control pills, frankly?
try to think how you would react. Now we're not going to sustain as we read this passage because we're going to read the entire Bible. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to read the entire first chapter of Luke. I think the turkey is still in your system. Does everybody seem to feel sluggish? I'm not going to make you stand because it's so, so lengthy. As we read this passage, I want you to look for Zacharias and Mary. These are the two individuals we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to contrast them and their experience and their response to the angel that came to them and told them about this miraculous birth that was going to happen. And this is going to be new for us because this season we find ourselves confronted with the miracle of Jesus' birth all over again. So how will we react? Okay, so we're going to begin at Luke chapter 1, verse 1. This is going to be a long passage. You're going to have to stick with me. We can do this. Back in the old days, the New Testament, they would stand and just listen to people read scripture for hours, and they loved it. And they walked with no shoes, uphill both ways to school every morning. They loved it. <laughs> so we can do this. It's God's Word. Luke chapter 1, verse 1. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down to us by those from the beginning, were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. It seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent the office. In other words, this is the introduction to the whole book. Luke, the author, is saying, I wrote all this down for you, he's writing to a guy named Theophilus, to, to remind him and reassure him that the things he's heard about Jesus are true. Excellent. So that you may know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zacharias of the division of uh, Bijah, I'll say. And he had a wife from the daughters of Herod, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was married. And they were both advanced in years. Now it happened that while he was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by law to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. This was the, the climax of a priest's career. This was the climax of a priest's career, to go and do this national offering. It only happened once in the priest's career. So this is a big deal for Zacharias. And the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside at the hour of incense offering. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel, and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. You will have joy and gladness. Many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children, and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous, so as to make ready the people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, How will I know this for certain? For I'm an old man, and my wife is advancing. 
because you did not believe our words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. Now the people were waiting for Zacharias and were wondering at his delay in the temple. But when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. When the days of his priestly service were ended, he went back home. Now after these days, after these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant, and she kept herself in seclusion for five months, saying, This is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me, to take away my disgrace among men. It was a big deal to be buried in these days. For a woman, giving birth to children was your highest call, and to be buried, to be buried was very, very difficult. Verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favorite one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this thing. I love it. She's just perplexed. Like, I would be in the fetal position in the corner. But Mary was just perplexed at this thing. And she kept pondering what this, this salutation is for. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she, who is called barren, is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And listen to Mary's response. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now at this time, Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country, to a city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you, among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. For he has had regard for the humble state of his bondslave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. And his holy name. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down the rulers from their thrones. He has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty hand. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy, as he, as he spoke to our father, 
to Abraham and his descendants forever. And Mary stayed with her about three months and then returned home. Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had displayed his great mercy toward her, and they were rejoicing with her. And it happened that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to call him Zacharias after his father. Makes sense. But his mother answered and said, No, indeed he shall be called John. But they said to her, There's no one among your relatives who is called by that name. And they made a sign to his father as to what he wanted to call his son. And he asked for a tablet and wrote as follows. His name is John. And they were all astonished. And at once his mouth was open and his tongue loosed. And he began to speak in praise of God. And fear came on all those living around him. And all these matters were being talked about in all the hill country of Judea. All who heard them kept them in mind, saying, What then will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was certainly with him. And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, And I'll stand up to read the prophecy of Zacharias, lest you get too sleepy hearing me read. Would you stand with me in honoring of God's word as we read Zacharias' prophecy? Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David his servant. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy toward our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to Abraham our father, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go home before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, with which the sunrise from on high will visit us, to shine upon those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child continued to grow and become strong in spirit, and he lived in the deserts until the day of his coming. Father, thank you for your word. May it speak to us now powerfully as we look at the lives of Zacharias and Mary. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you for listening to God's word for a long time. Now, the book of Luke is something of a history book. It's a bi biographical history book about Jesus. Do you remember when we did the Joshua series, we talked about a benefit of reading a history book in the Bible is that you get to see God's character lived out in real life with real life people. We get to know God better. We get to understand who He is. And we get to see countless examples of how people have responded to Him in the past. So, as we look at Luke, we get that benefit plus we get Jesus. 
where it all happens. Mary, on the other hand, is in Nazareth. Think Frog Pond. That little town you drive through. If you don't look at the one sign, you don't realize you can drive through it. I don't even know if you can call it a town. I'm not sure what Frog Pond is. But I've seen the sign if you head to an album. That's sort of like Nazareth. It was small. Everybody knew everybody. Rural. Nothing really good or big came out of Nazareth. So you couldn't get much more of a contrast between Jerusalem and Nazareth. And that's where we find these two people. So, where are you this Christmas? Like, actual location-wise, where are you, as a Christian, responding to the miracle of Christmas? Where are we as a church? Do you guys all know Matt Larkin? He's the pastor of Long's Grove. Even further out in the world than we are. Out there, out where I grew up, actually. Matt and I are becoming friends. I like Matt a lot. We're the same age. We're both 28. There's a lot of similarities. So we get along real well. One day we decided, we get together and pray together for our churches. And one day we decided that we were going to ride up into Charlotte. Matt, more than me, but we both feel like, you know, Charlotte's where everybody is. That's where there's a ton of people. Maybe we should just ride up there and pray through. You know, it's got all our churches that have some influence in Charlotte. So, Matt and Matt go to Charlotte. It's like a slapstick comedy. He's from the church Longs Grove out on the road. And I'm here at Doolin's Grove. Technically, we're in Charlotte. I know you Midland folks don't so feel like that. Technically, we're in Charlotte. It's a big deal. So we drove up downtown Charlotte, looking around, looking out the window at the buildings, thinking how amazing it is, and we figure out how to park without being towed and walk around and check things out. It was neat. We talked to some folks and came back. We said we'd go back again. I don't know. I don't know what God wants to do with either of our churches exactly. Maybe He wants us to have influence, in, you know, more in Charlotte. Maybe not. But I'm struck when I read this passage that God's gospel miracle it can happen any place, any time. It could be that the next big move of God might come from Frogland and not downtown Charlotte. I don't know. But I want you to think about where you are. How? does the gospel miracle of Christmas affect you in your location where you are around the people that you're around? What difference does it make? Because here we see it changed the lives of two different people. One that was working in Jerusalem, one in the fall pond 2,000 years ago in Nazareth. Secondly, look at their lifestyle and occupation. Zacharias is probably around 80 years old. Just judging by how the Bible uses this terminology about being advanced in age, he's probably around 80 years old, and he's a priest. He's kind of a typical priest. He's good at what he does, but he's not, you know, nationally recognized. He's just a priest. And age-wise, I picture someone about like Lennon also, my grandfather. He, he turned 80 last year. He's he turned 81 last year, so he turned 80 a couple years ago. About Lennon's age. Many of you remember Glenn. So you have this guy, sort of a probably very dignified-looking, priestly guy, confronted by an angel with the miracle of the birth of coming. And then you have Mary. Do you know about how old Mary probably was? Yeah, in her teens, probably. She was a virgin and engaged, and in the culture back then, she probably would have been probably around like 
to faith our middle school youth. That act. So you have here in the first two chapters of Luke the picture of dignity and, and you know, priests, 80 years old, and then a teenage girl in a rural town probably didn't even know how to read or write. Because they didn't have that kind of education back Both they and the ones that God went to with the miracle births associated with Christmas. One of them is just starting to reach maturity, and the other one has sort of maxed it out. And my point is, some of you may feel like God's miracle work in people's lives, like that's for somebody else. Some of you may feel maybe too typical, or maybe you feel like at this stage in your life, God's not wanting to do something miraculous. But maybe in the next stage, Mary, I can see feeling like that. She's engaged, she's getting ready for one of the biggest transitions in life. Where are you at occupationally, situationally? Because it's right there that the gospel miracle can strike and take place. We're going to have some tree work done at, at uh, the parsonage over there. And I met the guy, he's, a, he's 28 like me, he's the same age I am. And he owns his own tree service, and he comes from Albemarle. Just, you know, one of these great country guys. But he became a Christian three years ago. And through his tree service, he is dramatically reaching people for Christ. He has a hat that says, I can't remember what it is. It's some catchy little thing about Jesus on it. But it says he wears it everywhere he goes so he can talk to people about, about Jesus. And I was talking to him about Jesus. And we were out there in front of the church. And he had his pickup truck. Dented, old, dirty pickup truck. And we were talking about something. And he runs and he grabs his little bit of my And he goes and grabs his giant like this, like a family Bible. I'm not exaggerating a bit. It's a family Bible. It's kind of big, scripty print that you would keep, like, there or on your coffee table. That's the Bible he carries around. And I was laughing at that about it, because, I mean, this is my, this thing is tiny. I can get to where I can't hardly read the words. And he said, well, I just like sitting with my dash, and people look at it, and they just, I get to talk to people about Jesus. You know, he's just, he's a guy. He's just a guy. And he's just the sort of guy God wants to work through to bring about this gospel miracle in people's lives. Now, who are you? What, where are you in life? Because I suspect, no, I know you are just the kind of guy or gal that God wants to work through to bring this gospel miracle of Christmas to people. You are just the person God wants to use to tell people the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that should be our response to the Christmas miracle. But we'll get to that later when I get ahead of this. Let's compare their family situations. Uh, Zacharias, he was a faithful husband for many, many, many years to his wife, Elizabeth. Mary, engaged to be married, approaching this major life transition. Now here we get to a similarity, their position with God. 
thanksgiving grace. So while they were as different as can be, here's their one big striking similarity. They were godly, repentant people who received God's grace. Now, I, I want us this Christmas not to just be looking inward and thinking, what can I receive from God, but to be looking outward. And how can I sort of transmit this, this miraculous birth of Jesus and the gospel to people? I want you to see that the first step is you need to be a repentant person receiving God's grace. Do you want to enjoy your Christmas season and make the most of it? Does anybody? Well, maybe this could be a special Christmas. Christmas is always neat, but maybe this could be like a really great Christmas. Maybe lives could be changed. If you have that desire, start here with repentance. Start with your own heart. To use the cliche phrase, get right with God. Clear out anything that stands between you and God right now. What is it in your life that you need to repent of? What bitterness do you desperately need to let go of before it kills you? What unforgiveness remains in your heart? What persistent sin do you just need to confess and repent of? I invite you to do so and receive God's grace.
This Christmas, whatever it is that you're facing, it's not impossible for God. Now how they reacted. Zacharias says he was troubled and gripped with fear. Getting back to that Bible control issue I mentioned earlier. He was, he was terrified. He was gripped. He was like fear was shaking him as he stood before this angel. Mary, on the other hand, was perplexed, which actually, that, that, that does mean disturbed greatly. She was disturbed. Almost like getting startled out of your sleep. We heard a big crash last night in our sleep. And I was too sleepy to get up here. I what it was. And I was bad. Husband to be there. I said it was okay. I didn't hear anything after that one initial crash, so I figured it was alright. And we found out this morning that some of our pictures fell off the shelf. I don't know why they were just left off the shelf, but they did. You know, I was startled out of my sleep. Momentarily, albeit, but I was startled. That's how Mary felt. And I wanted you to think about how you would feel. How would you react? So Zacharias is gripped with fear. And then he's standing before this angel. And he says, How do I know this for certain? Because I'm old and my wife has advanced in years. Zacharias, is, his reaction was doubt. And he needed evidence. Mary, on the other hand, how can this be since I'm a virgin? Mary's was curiosity. Uh, Zechariah said, how can I know you're telling the truth? How can I know this for certain? <coughs> Mary trusted, but needed some info about the logistics of it, which is understandable. She's a virgin who's just been told she's going to give birth to the Messiah. Zechariah needed proof. How can I know for certain you're telling the truth? So here's where we get to God's character and how he relates to real people. What kind of person are you, by the way? Are you a prudent kind of person? Or are you a, okay, I need a little bit of explanation, but you're God, I trust you, kind of person. Because here's how God deals with the prudent sort of person. He struck him with muteness. Made him mute. He couldn't even speak. Mary, on the other hand, trusted, and God instructed her what was going to happen, and then she sings this song in verse 46. Zacharias has struck me. Mary can't stop talking about how awesome God is. I can kind of tell which one of you, who, are, who is which in the church. The prudent people versus the submissive, accepting God's word people. I think the prudent people are usually the ones who have nothing to say, and nothing to sing when we're singing. The submissive people usually can't stop talking about how great God is and look forward to the singing part of the service. Which one are you? Now, I'm, I'm going to wrap this out here. Just notice the outcome. With both these types of people, the doubtful one and the trusting one, the old one and the young one, the outcome is the same. God makes his blessing come to pass. They both have their miracle child. John and Jesus are both of them. Because when you're God's child, He's going to work out His miracle in your life. Alright, I need to land this plane while I still have some landing here. Just know this the birth of Jesus was a miracle and it happened in history. And you need to decide how you're going to react to that issue. <coughs> Santa Claus is, are there any children in here? Can I speak freely? 
Thank you.